so, it's British. It's so British. Hello, kitties. On this month's episode, the girls who cried beef. I can't it's, do nothing British. It's kind of Australian. <laughs> Hello, kitties. He's <laughs> <laughs> so British. <laughs> okay, I can do this. Hello, kitties. <laughs> okay, fine. I can do this. Well, hello, kitties, and welcome. I can't look at you. Hello. No, it's not in there. <laughs> Hold on. <clears throat> hello, kitties, and welcome to another episode of the girls. <laughs> I just do full British. <laughs> of the girls who cried, Peora. <laughs> Crikey, we're doing fucking demon night. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's incredible. Uh, move on. We got oh, it. Lord, yeah. The girls who cried be horror. Hey everybody. Welcome to the sad because it's post October, post Halloween. But Happy, fun, exciting, because we have a great episode for you, November episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. As always, I am Anya, also known as the British, um, maybe Australian, Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and I am Alex. Um, you know, it was good, but it's never going to be as good as your John Voight. I mean, that is, I think, just like going to be unmatched forever. It's like maybe if I had imagined that I was the Crypt Keeper and like J-Lo... Mm was hitting on me, I would have been able to pull it off. You just needed to see her put on that nude lip, girl. Oh my god. Yeah. If J-Lo with a nude lip was in the room with me, I could do anything. I mean, yeah, if J-Lo was in any room with me, I could do anything. But, yes, so um, I thought that doing Tales from the Crypt Demon Night would be a really fun episode for us for our November post-Halloween moment. Um, So, yeah. um, You know, we've had some guests on the last few episodes, and I kind of just wanted to bring it back to me and you the two girls who really cried be horror and i am so excited to talk about this movie i think it is really really fun obviously i have also watched mm. all of tales from the crypt the tv show which you know we will get into as well but i think that this is a really fun movie halloween is over but in our hearts it lives on so i wanted to pick something that kind of give that vibe um mm-hmm. but yeah I mean, I've seen this movie a couple times. I'm pretty sure you've seen it a few times. So, yeah. Have you seen this movie? What's your experience with it? Do you like it? Yes. No, I, I've never heard of this movie that we're about to cover. Yeah, this is actually my third viewing of Demon Night. Oh. Um, I was I literally sitting on the couch and I was like, Dale, I know this is my third time. But then I was like, for a minute, I was like, what were the other times I watched it? I know I watched it twice before. Mm-hmm. I did remember that the second time I watched it was with Cornelia. Um, I think, honestly, within the last year, I would say, um, I showed it to her. Um, and then I was like, when was the first time? And part of me is like, did I watch it with you? No, you did not. I'm trying to remember where the hell I watched it and why I watched it. Actually, I think I just remembered. For the, um, my, the contract work that I do requires me to look at scripts, oftentimes scripts for movies that have already been made. Um, and... I believe I read the script for Demon Knight, and usually I was in a phase of, like, I would read, because I do film and television scripts, I would, for film scripts, I would read the script, and then I'd be like, and I'm going to watch the movie right afterward, um, and I think that was the case, um, and I, I do remember talking to you about it, because you had told me about when you had first seen it, um, 
But yeah, I've seen this movie um, three times now, which I like it. Um, it's not a movie that I ever, not that I didn't think I was ever going to watch it again, but I don't think within the time span of my life from the first viewing, I thought I would have seen it three times already. Um, but you know what? Life works in mysterious ways. And by that, I mean Billy Zane. Yeah, I mean, especially since you, as far as I know, since it was the job you're talking about, that was like pandemic time. So yeah, in the span of two years, you watch it three times. And if it's not a movie you're like obsessed with, yeah. that's a lot of times. Um, yeah, I had seen it one time before, maybe like mm, eight years ago now at with the Coolidge Corner Theater Marathon that they used to do, that they still do or on Halloween. Um, and it was, I think, a zombie theme that year, which I find these to be more demons than zombies, but whatever, oh, you know. Yeah. A combination of, you know, the two. But I had obviously at this point in my life, I knew what Tales from the Crypt was. I had never watched the tv show and i had never seen any of the films that have been spawned from the tv show so when they announced Mm -hmm. because also at the marathon it's always like a secret right until the film goes up on screen so i didn't know what it was going to be and then fucking crypt keeper shows up and i was like oh what is this and it was that sweet spot of like 5 a.m everyone's a little bit delirious so i think that enhanced the experience a lot too so when i rewatched it um, in preparation for this episode, there was part of me that was like, I'm afraid that I only like it because I was fucking like so tired and exhausted. So everything was funny. Hmm. Um, but I'm very pleased to say that I still think it holds up just as well. Uh, watching it on a fucking like Wednesday night at 8 PM by myself. Um, and I didn't really remember much other than this, like one moment of physical comedy with Billy Zane that I will bring up later because I think it's fucking iconic. Um, but yeah, I also had seen all of Tales from the Crypt at this point. So um, I feel like watching the film after having watched the series was a fun experience too. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you watched the show? I can't remember if you have. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's even a stretch. I mean, I'm obviously very familiar with Tales from the Crypt TV show in the sense of I know its existence and I know it's important. And it's been on my watch list to sit down and really watch because I think that I will eat it up. I will love it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because it's obviously hosted by a goddamn corpse puppet who lives in debatably like my dream house. Um, and Danny Elfman does the goddamn, you know, mm-hmm. intro theme music, which I actually have listened to the Tales from the Crypt theme song. I believe it was on this last Spotify, so 2021. 2021 Spotify wrapped for me mm-hmm. in my like most listened songs because I was <laughs> writing a script in which took place with puppets in a haunted house. So I was like li- making playlists to like inspire me while I wrote and like that one I was like this is the perfect song for that. So I would play it 20 fucking times a day. Um and I it was something I had to accept after a while. I was like yeah, this is going to be all over the Spotify raft. And you know what? <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Yeah, I mean that just kind of tracks for who you are in general. Um yeah, I think you would really like the show. Um, I don't know if it is streaming anywhere when I watched it. I just watched it all on YouTube because even though it's an HBO show, who fucking knows what HBO is doing these days, and I don't think it's available on there. Obviously, that would be my ideal streaming option yeah. if uh, it was, but I watched it on YouTube. The quality wasn't super great, but, you know, they're like 20, 25-minute episodes, so it's pretty easy to, to get through. Um, but I have a lot of fun with it. They really mix... I think, mm. like, horror and comedy really well. Some episodes are really fucking good. And, I mean, when you have someone like the Crypt Keeper, who is 
the star of the show. He's so campy and fun. I can't wait to talk about the puppeteers and all that stuff and the fun facts. Um, but yeah, I know that Crypt- Tales from the Crypt is on YouTube. And in terms of Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, if you are interested in watching that before listening to our episode, it is streaming on Peacock. That is where I watched it. I don't think I. that you need to have an account because it's not like Peacock Premium. Um, so yeah, it should be available to anybody do you know if Peacock is free? I can't really remember. Um, I believe, yeah, usually with Peacock, if it's on the regular Peacock, not premium, you can watch it, but there might be ads. Um, mm, yeah, I think I watched like 100 seconds of ads before the film, and then it was fine. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, I don't mind yes. doing that. Just like don't fucking interrupt my show or my movie, mid-movie. I'll do it all up front. That's fine. Did you notice that Hulu, I don't know if it is for you now, like Hulu is always obviously like unless you're paying for ads free, which I've never had. Mm-hmm. Like you watch a TV show on Hulu, they break for ads, whatever. And usually though, if you ever watched a movie, it wouldn't do that. Now they're breaking up movies with ads on Hulu. Oh. And I'm just like, not this. Oh what no. What are I, doing? I don't use, I use somebody else's account and they're bougie and they don't have ads. So I luckily don't have oh to deal God. with that. Yeah, thank God, because I just watched Hellraiser, and that show would have been so annoying with ads in between. No. Isn't Hellraiser also on Shudder? Yeah, but... Oh, you're talking about the new Hellraiser. Yes, yes, yes. The new one, the 2022 David Bruckner one. Um, But yes, so Demon Knight is available on Peacock, I believe, for free if you have a television. Um, But it's also available to rent. Like, I think it was like $3.99 on Vudu, probably on Prime, you know. Rental options. Yeah, lots of rental options, so... I think personally it's a movie that I would shell out a few dollars for, but you know, I know budgets can be tight, so let's jump right into it. Um, So if you're not able to watch it, Anya can give you a little synopsis here before we jump into fun facts. So if you want to take it away, tell us what this movie's about. Yeah, so I'll try to keep it as brief and as, you know, kind of broad as possible, but essentially... um, the film follows a, I believe, what would be called a demon knight. Mm-hmm. Knight being with, like, a K-N, like a knight in shining armor, although he's not in armor. Um, he is running away from Billy Zane, who, spoiler, is a demon. <gasps> oh, my um, God. In a hot, hot body. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, de- our demon knight has, like, an amulet that kind of looks like a cross, kind of give, it's giving very, um, the little vampire mm. um, amulet. Which, if you guys have not seen, I was just a guest on our Friend of the Pod, the Old Kids Movies, Trevor and AJ, who have just been on our last two episodes. I was on their 100th episode um, to cover the classic Halloween children's movie, The Little Vampire. Um, so check that out. It's now available. It's definitely available by the time this comes out. I digress. Um, and he's running away from him until he essentially, through a series of, you know car explosions and almost car thefts and this that the other thing ends up at a hotel that was once a church i believe i think it's like a boarding house but yeah 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 because they said that like yeah they they rent the rooms for like long-term situations yeah and it's like out in the fucking like Mm -hmm. desert um and essentially of course there you meet our cast of like misfits and people um who you know don't really know who this mystery man is um, all for it to come to a head when 
Billy Zane, who has now teamed up with the police because they don't know any better, <laughs> comes to find this man who has stolen something from him. And then, you know, when all hell breaks loose, Billy Zane quickly reveals, fuck this and fuck humans. Yeah, I am a demon. Give me that amulet. And then the night goes crazy because Billy Zane summons his demon army of, of demon baddies <laughs> with their big old fucking hoop earrings. Um... And they try throughout the movie to get into the hotel uh, boarding house. Meanwhile, chaos ensues. You know, people are becoming possessed by the demons. People are breaking, like, this magical seal that our demon knight is placing on the doors with the blood of Christ, which is contained within his um, magic cross amulet um, that wards off demons. Um, All of this so that he can find the next demon knight, who he has a tattoo on his hand, which tells him when it's time to find the next demon knight, which is, of course, Miss Young, beautiful Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, So the end of the movie comes with him dying and passing off his demon knight-ness and the amulet to Jada Pinkett Smith, who has to have a final face-off with Billy Zane, um, who she does defeat, and then the next morning comes, because, of course, this all has happened one night, and she marches off into the great unknown with now her hand tattoo that will tell her when it's time to find the next demon knight and essentially die um and she gets on a bus she puts a magic seal on it so no demons can get in and of course it ends with the next demon that's set out to hunt to find this amulet because it is a part of seven amulets that the demons of the entire universe have been trying to collect so they can bring back the darkness um he can't get on the bus but we know that this story is not over and jada is really going to have to fight all over again at some point down the line. And that is truly the broadest version I could give you of Demon Knight. Yeah, it's an incredibly straightforward plot. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect synopsis. Um, And honestly, just hearing you talk about it, it's so funny because it's true. In the end, her whole thing in the movie, Jada Pinkett, is that, like, she wants to get out of this boarding house. She wants to, like, be free and live her own life. And, like, even though now she is responsible for kind of saving the universe – she does get to go and, like, yeah. go wherever she want wants. Like, she is free to do anything in this world now. And, like, I'm, I'm also assuming that she's going to kind of become, like, immortal because he fucking lived in, like, the war and is now, like, still very much his age. So she has her whole life now ahead she of her. She did. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's, like, yeah, I think there's a sense of her feeling like she's trapped mm-hmm. um, in this boarding house, you know, because she's on, like, this, like, work program because she, like went to jail or juvie or something for stealing um so she's like i'm stuck here i can never get out she doesn't want to be there we're like yes at the end this happens now it's like you're free to roam as long as you just protect this amulet but at the same time it's like in a way i guess more i guess less trapped in like the physical sense that like now she's i guess trapped under this i am tied forever to this as a demon knight i have been pre-selected by god to be this demon knight yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess in the end, it's probably not uh, the life she mm-hmm. expected for herself, but it's probably better than just doing everybody's fucking sheets at the boarding house all the time. Um, but yeah, let's jump into some fun facts. I have a lot of them. Um, so we are going to start off. I like to just give like a, a rundown of basic details to start off. So like I said, the full title of the movie is Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. It is rated R. One hour, 32 minutes. We love that. So nice and short. Um, as I said, it is streaming for free on Peacock, but is available also on other services for rental, um, which it 
honestly, I'm glad it's on Peacock because for the longest time it was not available anywhere, which is why we had to wait so long to do it because I would have picked this shit in like season one probably. Um, and it is directed by Ernest R. Ernest R. Dickerson, who is the director of the movie Juice, mm. starring Tupac. Um, and he does a lot of more like television directing, but he made Juice, and he is also the cinematographer for Spike Lee in a lot of his really big films. He did Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X, so he's a very well-known director um, in Hollywood. Um, and yeah, so now I guess we can just jump right into Tales from the Crypt mm. background. Uh, obviously, the show itself is kind of inspired by a lot of other tv series that are anthology episodic kind of shows like twilight zone and tales from the dark side but overall it really comes from the ec comics dating back all the way to the 50s which were a comic series that were like very graphic and gory and horror based um so each episode is kind of like supposed to be you know one comic from that um originally it was planned as a trilogy of horror films uh, Mm -hmm. which it eventually does become a trilogy of horror films i'll get to um but over time it evolved into becoming a tv series which again they wanted to stick with that like trilogy kind of idea so it was going to only be three seasons long but then it was hbo it was very popular so it eventually got extended to be seven seasons Uh, i think overall 93 episodes which is very impressive but also my ocd is like (laughs) so close to 100 you were so close um yeah it is seven full seasons uh and like I said, I think it's on YouTube. Um, but let's talk about the Crypt Keeper, who is really the star of everything. He is a beautiful old corpse puppet. We love him. He is voiced by John Kassir, and mm-hmm. he was created by Kevin Yeager, who is a very notable special effects artist. He did the makeup for Freddy Krueger, not in the original movie, but I think he did it in like two, three, and four. Um, and he also worked in other films. He worked uh, a lot of horror, child's mm. play. He did Sleepy Hollow, and um, not a horror film, but I thought it would be funny to mention that he also worked on 13 Going on 30. I fucking love Mark Ruffalo, so I love that for him. Oh, my God. I know. So fun. I like when people have an eclectic filmography of, like, a bunch of horror and then one random, like, rom-com. But speaking of the puppet, it took six puppeteers to operate the Crypt Keeper during any of his scenes, and it took four puppeteers alone just for his facial expressions. And, um, I mean, he is very emotive. Um, and I didn't write this down, but I did read that mm. in the early season, John Kassir had to do all of his lines, like, very, very slowed down because it was so difficult to get the Crypt Keeper's facial expressions to move at the same speed as his voice. So the first season, you'll notice he's a lot more slow and dragged out than in the kind of later like very very upbeat like Crypt Keepers had too much sugar kind of energy um so I thought that was interesting that you kind of get two different versions of him mm-hmm. um hmm. but one of my favorite facts is that if you look deep into the Crypt Keepers eyes you might recognize them because fun fact they are the same I'm not, I don't think the physical same eyeballs but the same brand of eyeballs that are used for Chucky in all of the Child's Play series that tracks. Yeah, I mean, his beautiful blue eyes, you can absolutely see it if you look deep, deep into his soul. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah, I mean, they're so cute. The fuck? How do I get an eye transplant and get some chubby <laughs> eyeballs? You should probably put them in, like, speckles, I think. I don't know if they make them small enough. Just fucking shove them in that idiot's face. It's fine. He'd finally get, like, <laughs> like an iris and shit. <laughs> 
I think, it would be unsettling as fuck. I think it would That's be his great. Halloween costume, just new eyes. Zing. I think that should just be his look all year round, honestly. Um, but yeah, so they did end up making three films um, in addition to the series. Demon Knight, Bordello of Blood, which I think is about vampires. I have never seen it. I think you've seen it. Is it yes, a vampire? Yes, I recall. I saw it one time. Okay, yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah. Um, and then another movie in 2002 that I've honestly never heard of called Ritual. Um, Isn't Tim Curry in that one? Is he? I think I saw because I was just looking at Letterboxd at this one. I was like, oh, and there's Bordello of Blood. And then I saw the third one. I was like, oh, there's a third one? And the fucking Tim Curry's in the poster. Okay, hold on. I need to look that up because if Tim Curry is in it, then I'm immediately significantly more interested in watching it than I was. Oh, yeah. So it's going – it's rising up my watch list. Yeah, I mean, anything with Tim Curry, I'm fucking on board for. Um, but there were two other very notable films that were originally planned to be within the Tales from the Crypt universe. But due to, yeah. you know, Hollywood, creative differences, production issues, they ended up not being Tales from the Crypt-specific uh, movies. And they were From Dusk Till Dawn and The Frighteners, which – Upon first hearing, like, I don't really see that being Tales from the Crypt vibes, but, you know. Loki, I can. I can a little bit. I think maybe because there's similarities in it, slight, in a way, to Demon Knight from Dust Till Dawn. You know, kind of like the desert kind of thing and, like, yeah, tragic location. I feel like it's been a long time since I've seen From Dust Till Dawn. And actually, I don't know if I said this on the podcast before. I really want to revisit it because the only time I ever watched it was on cable. And they cut so much oh, out yeah. when watch it on cable. Yeah, exactly. So I want to give it another shot. Um, but also I think the sense of, like, obviously in that movie it's, like, everyone already is a vampire pretty mm-hmm. much for the most part. But then they're also, like, people are getting turned. It's, like, a horde of vampires where, like, this movie, like, everyone's getting turned into a demon or whatever. Yada, yada, yada. So I could see the Crypt Keeper being like, I call this one from dusk till dawn. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I think you're right. It does very much have that same kind of vibe. Maybe less the Frighteners, um, but definitely. Yeah. I think I need to rewatch From Dusk Till Dawn. I don't really remember it very well. I didn't, you know, I have seen the Frighteners once and it doesn't really give me that vibe. I have also seen the Frighteners. I'm not a big fan of the Frighteners. I'm not either. You know, it's not my favorite Peter Jackson, obviously, but... Um, so, yes. Overall, Tales from the Crypt went for seven seasons, three films, an animated spinoff series, and a Christmas album. <laughs> Hold the fuck on. Yeah. There's a Christmas album? What the fuck is it called? Um, I don't remember. I l- I'm gonna look it up. Um, it is called... From the Crypt. I, like, need to put it on my <laughs> Spotify Christmas playlist. It's called Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas. Wow. I love oh, that. Oh, please. Oh my god, some of the epi- songs are called Deck the Halls with Parts of Charlie. Probably- oh, is this it? We wish no, you'd bury the missus. <laughs> so I'm going to literally get on eBay later and buy a physical copy of this. As you should. What the? I expect nothing less from you. This is like so fucking up your alley. Oh my god. That's everything. I can get it on eBay for $25.90. Jesus. You could probably just stream it. <laughs> Well, Amazon's trying to sell it to me for ninety-seven thirteen. <laughs> no, thank you. That's ridiculous. Oh my god. Or I could just, you know, be a normal person and listen to it on YouTube. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the wisest decision for you. Um, but the last note I have about Tales from the Crypt is that there were recent rumors, probably in because of like Jordan Peele's Twilight uh, Zone reboot, that there was going to be a reboot of the show directed or created by M Night Shyamalan, but due to 
contract issues. Um, and I don't know if it was with HBO or someone else, but it is on, you know, hold for the foreseeable future, unfortunately, because I think that would be really fun to reboot this show. But it's not happening. I mean, well, first question. Mm-hmm. You might not know the answer. The original Tales of Crypt series, obviously it's like different stories. It's an anthology, but usually it's what one story an episode. Yeah. Um, is it a different director every time? Yes. So a lot actually a lot of like really notable people, like Tom Hanks directed, I think it was season four, episode one. So a lot of people got like pretty early starts. I think Tom Holland directed a few episodes. Um, so yeah, I think Emily Shamala would just be like the showrunner, basically. See, okay, yeah, I'm for sure happy that like because I was like, if Emily Shamala's doing every episode, like, I mean, I'd be into it, but no, I don't think it would be that way. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. I was thinking while watching the movie, and obviously it's me speaking out of my ass a little bit. One because I haven't even sat down and watched Tales from the Crypt yet, but I was like, fuck. I want to show like this again and then I did stop myself because I was like there is anthology horror in television happening right now like there's the creep show show mm-hmm. there's fucking American horror stories which I also have yet to watch I mean I season even fucking get into it season two is better than um one. I know there are others that I'm not naming off the top of my head right now there are a lot of them but I was like I'm specifically talking about like give it an HBO budget mm-hmm. first and foremost um bring back puppets like i don't know what to say like and i'm not talking about like don't get me wrong i love them when we're doing you know practical effects within like an episode of something and it's like we achieve this using like practical sfx so like part of it is like puppetry or like electronic no bring back a puppet host put him in a spooky house let him introduce every episode like they do it a little bit now on creep show because they have the creep puppet but even that like I feel like he's not even in every episode and also like and this is not me trying to shit on it's just like this is not specifically what I want like and he doesn't talk he kind of like moves and blah 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 no give him a personality give him a voice like that's what we're missing from television right now like is a puppet horror host we're missing horror hosts in general bring them back I mean we get the occasional Joe Bob moment but like I'm ready to step up I'm ready to go (laughs) fucking give me a show Oh my god. Give me with a British accent and a puppet <laughs> a chance. I think that you would fucking kill it, honestly. I would be such a ham. I mean you I already feel are. Like it was what God put me I know, that's why I said <laughs> it. Um that's why God put me on this earth. Just a... is to host be a horror host. Anyways. Yeah, I mean I think that's what you're made for. Um but yeah, that wraps up my Tales from the Crypt background, so just to quickly move on to the Demon Knight one, I don't have as much information um, on the actual movie we're talking about. Um, but let's see. It was originally meant to be released uh, on night in Halloween 1994, which is just like the prime time to drop your fucking horror movie. But unfortunately, they did not get that. And instead, they were released in January, which, you know, is kind of the place where films and horror kind of go to die um anything like post christmas is never something that i'm like oh well that's gonna be a fucking like massive success because it's coming out in january oh yeah um but it did come out on friday 13th which i thought was very very fun um isn't um isn't megan coming out in january i think you're right i think it is but i don't care that shit's gonna fucking slap oh my god oh we're we're gonna be seated opening night i cannot wait i'm counting the fucking days I have to see that with a crowd. I have to. My One of my biggest regrets was not seeing Malignant mm. in theaters. That would have been so fucking crazy with the crowd. I'm really glad I got to see Barbarian, but like, 
Megan, that's where it's going to be fucking at. I can't wait. Ooh, so excited. Um, but yes, so um, obviously Jada Pinkett. I'm going to call her Jada Pinkett because I don't know if she was married at this point uh, to Will Smith yet. So she plays our lead female, Jerry Lynn, who is, she's amazing. She's like the epitome of strong, beautiful, badass woman. I think she's amazing. Um, but she was not originally what the studio or who the studio wanted to cast. Uh, I think it would have been obviously a very, very different movie if we did not have Jada Pinkett. Yeah. Uh, um, but especially because the people, the person that the studio was like fucking gung-ho trying to get was, I'm sure, because this was her like heyday where she was like really fucking popular, was Cameron Diaz. What a throwback of a name. Holy shit. Like when was the last time? Uh, no shade at all to Cameron Diaz. But like I don't even think she acts anymore actually. I feel like she's retired from acting. Oh really? I didn't know that. But tell me the last time she acted. I don't think she acts anymore. I'm going to look it up. I, I genuinely think she might have come forward and said I'm retiring from acting. Oh wow. I mean I wouldn't be surprised actually. But what a time capsule of a name for sure. Yeah I mean I think definitely at that point in the 90s she was like the big fucking thing. And she is kind of the like obvious choice for this kind of role. Not because I think she really fits the role. She's very much like the the sweet kind, like, she's like kind of the antithesis of this role. So I think it would have been an interesting casting, but it really wouldn't have worked for me, I don't think. It's one of those things where it's just like, this role, it's one of the things where it's like, yeah, I think maybe if we had, you know, been a fly on the wall mm. pre-production, it's like, yeah, I could probably name a few, like, young little starlets that, like, could eat this up, whether because it's kind of already in their ballpark or, like, oh, it would be so awesome to see them, like, do this switch of, like, kind of being, like, really disgruntled and, like, kind of angry at the world mm-hmm. and becoming this, like, badass final girl in, like, the last 20 minutes. But when you watch it and you see Jada in this role, it's kind of, like, so – it's – you can't untie the image of it from her. So it's I, – I can't even imagine – Cameron Diaz doing it justice. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that she would have put her own spin on it, but, like, you can't touch Jada. You really can't. I, I swear to God, I feel like she came forward and said something, like, genuinely, like, I'm good, I'm done with acting. Well, it yeah, you're right, because the last film that she was in was 2014 Annie, and then she's currently filming an action comedy um, by the director of The Lost City, which I didn't love, but whatever. Oh, okay. I mean, but that feels like in her ballpark. Yeah. Like, if she's going to come back, like, yeah. And you know what, Miss Cameron Diaz? I'll be there. I'll go see it. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't have any disinterest in her. I like her. Um, yeah, that just would have been, like, a very strange casting decision, I think. But the yeah. director was, like, very, very interested in having Jada in the film. So he stuck up for her, and he got what he wanted, and the rest is fucking history. Um, okay, one of my favorite facts is that the Billy Zane has made it known that not only is this the favorite his favorite film he's ever worked on, but it's his favorite performance he's ever given. And I fucking stand by that because he's amazing in this movie. And you know what? He's so fucking right for that because I feel like we've definitely talked on this podcast or in general, maybe to just each other before. There's so many actors, which is that you're entitled to your own opinion, especially when it's your own life and your own career. But like where they will put in a performance and you're like, this is legendary. Legendary performance, legendary film, and they either then like sadly sometimes just drop off the face of the earth mm-hmm. or they're like ashamed of it they don't want to talk about it or they pull a fucking Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights and come forward and like apologize and it's like that's your best role once King. again given your whole career and your life choices this seems pretty low on the fucking total pole of things you should be coming forward and apologizing for 
if at all. Um, yeah, or like fucking Kevin Bacon in Tremors when he was filming it. Yes, and it's like obviously he's come around, but yeah. it's just like I love that Billy Zane is like, no, all around, everything about this, the best. The best I ever did, the best I'll ever do. And it's like, Billy, you are so fucking correct. Made me do crazy things. <laughs> yeah, he really fucking hams it up in this movie. No holds bar. Oh, you want to talk about a fucking ham, bro? Holy shit. Yeah, he really gives you a fucking run for your money, I think. <laughs> you know that meme where it's like, the director <laughs> the director said cut, but he heard give cunt. And he just <laughs> kept going. And they kept rolling. That's Billy Zane in this whole fucking movie. Oh my god, yeah. He really like... He's, like, in a whole other fucking film. He's really living in his own demon world. It's incredible. I've – it. I mean, I love him in Titanic, obviously, as Cal, but, like, this is number one. Will not be touched. And he does play a crazy good villain. Oh, yeah, because he has those eyes. I think it's funny that in both Titanic and in this movie, he gets spit in the face. Um, I do think that, you know, Rose's spit is a little bit more from, from the stomach than Jada's is. Um, but in the end, he gets fucking spit on, and I love that. Well, it's like Jada's like is not that much spit at all, but of course when it hits his face, like when they do the cut, it's like so much spit. There was another movie. Oh, you you you've definitely seen it. I'm pretty sure. Yes, you have. Dead Calm. He also no, plays a crazy villain in that. You have seen Dead Calm. It is the um, Nicole Kidman movie with um, Sam Neill where they're on the boat. Oh and he my comes god, on. that's right. And she's fucking like running around pussy lips out <laughs> for like half of the movie. Donald ducking it. I totally forgot that movie existed. So did Cornelia and I. I was like, I know that I've seen Billy Zane in something in the past, like, year, I feel like, where he was also a villain, and it was dead calm. Wow. I believe streaming on Shudder, if anyone's interested. I believe it is. Wow, I f- totally fucking forgot that movie existed. Thank you for reminding me. Um, I shouldn't, like, there was something with a cat in there I didn't care for, so I probably blocked it out. Um, I only have two more quick facts for you. Um, so the zombie demons in this film, they are, it's similar to, like, a zombie a traditional zombie where like you have to kind of not kill the brain but you have to get the eyes because they say that like the mm-hmm. eyes are the window of the soul and you have to like release the soul by destroying the eyeballs so the whole thing is that you need to get them in the eyes which are these big glowing like fluorescent green color and he even like cuts his wrist at one point and like all this green goo flies everywhere to like summon the demons um and they got that by just opening up fucking glow sticks and taking out all the green fluid that tracks yeah i mean i feel like it's probably not a super safe thing to be doing but in the 90s i'm not that shocked so hopefully they wore gloves and maybe masks oh it's definitely toxic i'm sure yeah i think i like looked it up it's like some kind of chemical it like said it would like burn and irritate the skin and like obviously it's not good if you ingest it but yeah, I mean, you got to work get work with what you have. And I think that is a very fun way to do it. Um, and then the last little note I have is that before being made, I kind of already talked about how, like, all these other movies were going to be Tales from the Crypt films. And then there's always so much fucking, like, politics in Hollywood. Well, the original script for this made its way to a lot of different notable filmmakers before eventually falling at the desk of Joel Silver, who is the producer of the film who then hired Ernest R. Dickerson. Um, originally, it was sent to Tom Holland, who was going to make this as kind of his follow-up film to Child's Play, which I think would have been really interesting. And then it ended up moving over to Mary Lambert, which I, who I also think would have done something really cool with it, before, yeah, like I said, eventually going to Joel Silver. And I just always think that's so fascinating to see like yeah. what other universe 
would would a Tom Holland version of this film look like? What would a Mary Lambert version of this film look like? We'll never know, but I like to imagine it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been really different, but fun. Hmm. Yeah, the more you know. The more you know, indeed. Well, I think that overall wraps up my... Well, thank you for sharing. ...background facts. Um, so I guess we should just jump right into the episode. Um, Anya, is there anything that you want to kick off, off with talking about? I mean, something I'll bring up that kind of is more broad, and I feel like you might not agree with me because you obviously like this movie so much, is now having watched it a third time, and I feel like all three times I had the same reaction, and I like this movie. I was like, yeah, fun time. Is that you open up, you're obviously okay, I'm following, I'm following, you get to the fucking hotel, you meet everybody, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Through Billy Zane revealing he's a demon, creating the other demons, or trying to get in, like, putting the blood seals up, like, all that, I'm there, I'm watching, I'm invested. I feel like there's a chunk in the middle until you get to the end again when from Jada Pinkett, like, it's like, da 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 Jada Pinkett gets, becomes a demon knight. From there, too, I'm like, yeah, 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 eating it up. In between, I feel like there's a good chunk of moments where, like, I wouldn't even, I don't even know if I can say that they're overtly bad. They don't hold my attention. And that's where I feel like I can't give this film a higher rating as some other people would, is because, like, it loses my, it loses steam for me in the middle a little bit. Which, when I think about it, it's like, there's still stuff happening. Like, in the middle of the baby when, like, everyone's becoming, at different points, like, a demon. And the demons are getting in. Um, but I don't know. There are, I think there are moments within that middle part where I'm like, I'm back again. Yep. But then I fall off again. I just wish, I don't know, I wish it could keep my attention the whole time. Yeah, no, I totally see where you're coming from with that. I feel like... For me, the first, like, 30 minutes of the movie, even, okay, just the beginning, because, like, you open up the film with, like, a fake-out of another movie that you think that it's going to be something completely different, and there's, like, this really cool practical effect from the jump of, like, this body decaying and, like, it's all flesh. Oh, yeah, the husband that went in, like, was an acid and hacked up, yeah. Yeah, that was so fucking cool. So, like, you get this, like, very campy way to start, and then it does switch, and all of a sudden you're just, like, on this fucking, like, dirt road with these people and it is a very different vibe um but I think the first 30 minutes like really hold my attention because it's kind of a mystery you don't know who these people are you don't know who to trust because like you're following these two men and Billy Zane's character is you know explicitly being like this guy is stolen from me he's bad like he seems like a bounty hunter which is usually the protagonist in the film that we want to like you know be with and then the other guy we see him like trying to steal a car and being kind of shady and then when they do kind of confront him, he doesn't really defend himself in any way. He's not like, oh, well, like, no, I didn't steal it or, like, give an explanation for why he did it. So until Billy Zane reveals that he is a demon, there is that kind of mystery of, like, who do I trust? Who is the person that, like, I should be rooting for here? I don't know, which I think is really fun. And then obviously, like, the back end is just kind of mayhem and chaos. So I, I totally understand what you mean. I mean, I think the middle section has a lot of, like, It's just a lot of, like, weird dream sequences with Billy Zane, which, I mean, do not get me wrong. I think they're all really fucking fun. I love them. Oh, yeah. But I do think it could be a little bit repetitive of, like, I'm going to give this person a fantasy of, like, the thing that they want. Okay, now they're going to crumble. Now they are a demon. And then we're going to kill them. Okay, next person. What's their fantasy going to be? So it does get a little bit repetitive in that way. Um, I think for me, the, the bits that are the least interesting are the flashbacks. And I do think it's partially just because, like, it is rooted in Catholicism, which is not really 
my cup of tea. It's fine. I get it. Um, but I don't really need the flashback so much. I think those parts are the parts that like glaze my eyes over the most of anything. And I think I remember the specific points, like the only thing above the top of my head were like, and it's one of the things where it's like, well, in a way they need them in the movie because we need the yeah. explanation. So I'm not even saying that these are bad. It's just, I think maybe just the way that my brain is wired, but like specifically this, the flashbacks of like, the, I guess in theory the first or one of the first demon nights where it's like he's fighting a demon in a cloak and like he's collecting the blood of Christ mm-hmm. who's like crucified on the cross I was just like and like even the one of like what's his name on like the battlefield when he became like a demon knight I was just like this is you telling us probably what most people in the audience would like to know which is like what the fuck is going on who are you what is this why is this happening and I don't know, I think maybe, especially on the second and the third watch, because I already know these things, too, as a viewer, I'm not being told the first time, I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't want, for lack of a better way of putting it, I'm just like, I don't care, I don't care, I want to get to the fun demon stuff, which is kind of just me being an asshole, because, like, storytelling-wise, like, there's nothing wrong with it, and debatably, like, yeah, you should have those moments of, like, letting your audience know, instead of being like, make your own conclusions, figure it out, this crazy shit's happening, and we're giving you no explanation, um, but yeah, I don't know, something about it. I think in general also, like, the I don't know, something about flashbacks. It's always, I feel like that's always a gamble in a movie because it's either going to be, like, you're really going to, like, slow this fucking steam train down by doing a flashback, even if it's giving us information we need. I feel like most of the time I'm going to be more of a fan of, like, just, like, tell me or explain to me in in the moment that our characters are already living with or like you know don't do it yeah well they do it so many times too. yeah so i think that's it it's just like there you get to the middle where you're like okay now we'll, we'll find out more information because obviously we were thrown in in the middle of it but then it's like kind of doubling down yeah on the information where i'm like debatable you might be giving me too much information like not enough where i'm like oh, i don't like this anymore but like too much where i'm like you probably could have given me less and i would have been like that's fine i don't need to know i'll make my own conclusions like it, I think to to a degree that's always a balancing act, even when you're writing, of just like, you know, how much do you want to tell? You don't want to be too expository. You don't want to tell too much, but you don't want to tell too little. And people are pissed off because they're like, you didn't, this is sloppy because like you didn't explain anything, but you don't want to over explain. So I don't feel like it's overtly bad, but I think that like maybe it wasn't the right, of like the just off on the balancing act there for me. Yeah. And I, I do think that that is definitely its weakest point. Um, Especially because the flashback that they show of him with fucking, like, Jesus of Nazareth is... They show that same flashback, like, three different times as other people are experiencing it. And I don't fucking need that. I understand. I get it. Um, And I think that also, in a way, even though as an audience we get way more flashbacks, uh, when he tells everybody, like, and he's giving the explanation of, like, this is what's going on. It is Jesus's fucking blood. You know, I am a, a knight and uh, all these other keys and all the other universes exist. Like, they kind of take it immediately as like, wow, that's fact. And like, even that felt a little bit unnatural to me. Like, yes, there's demons everywhere, but like, come on. It's, it's just like, is such a, a fucking grand thing to just believe. But I guess you have to in those moments. Um, but yeah, I think just the flashbacks in general, like, I don't really give a shit about religion i don't really give a shit about the war yeah and those are not things that are going to hold my attention as much um i don't need to see it all the time i do think that like it show it some like once and then i'm good but i also found it to be confusing because like you don't really see 
who was up on the cross. Obviously, it's implied that it's Jesus. But, like, there is a bit no. where I'm not sure if, like, is this guy, is Breaker Jesus? Is that, like, what they're implying? And that he's, like, been the demon the whole time. And then, obviously, you know, as the flashbacks go, you realize, no, it was, like, this other guy. And he was with Jesus. And then it transferred to the soldier who then transferred it to Breaker. But, like, it's a lot of explanation that I don't really need for a really silly campy movie um and I don't know I also just am kind of like I always lose a little bit of interest when they do kind of base it in religion I understand why I mean it is demons kind of go hand in hand with the concept of God and Jesus but like it could have really been any explanation you didn't have to really even give an explanation you could just be like these creatures roam the earth and they are demons and we have to stop them like it doesn't need to be cemented in religion so for me, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. I, I get it, but I could do without it. Yeah, it's actually interesting the Catholicism thing because I was just thinking about it when you were talking about it. Because I knew that going in. Obviously, I haven't seen it three times. So I was like, obviously, he's like, in a way, a soldier of God or whatever, or like a, a pre-chosen by God. And I'm not an overtly religious person really at all. Um, I don't really pray. I don't go to church. Regardless, I need to get into that shit. Um, but I have no issue a lot of the time with that stuff as long as it's not like... I don't know, smacking you over that. Like, that was my issue with um, the Stand miniseries. Not talking about the new one, talking about the original. There's other issues with it. But, like, I read the book, loved the book. And I know that to a certain degree, obviously, those, like, the things about God are in there. But I felt like the Stand miniseries was, like, on a VeggieTales level of, like, beating you <laughs> yeah. over the fucking head of, like, good versus evil, God versus the devil. And I was like, okay. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm watching something that we would have been assigned to watch in fucking Sunday school. Like, mm-hmm. enough. But it's interesting because when you think about it, there's, there is a good handful, even specifically subgenres, of horror. And I think also when you start, like, when you go further back, there's more of it. But, like, that are rooted in obviously where it's like, well, you gotta bring up God. You gotta bring up, Christ- you know, Catholicism or Christianity. Because, you know, um, you think about, like, exorcism movies. Mm-hmm. Like, the the exorcist is usually, like, a Catholic priest or some shit like that that has to, like, God tells you to get out of this body, demon. Like, I just finished reading um, my first Grady Hendrix book, which I'm really excited about. I read um, My Best Friend's Exorcism because I wanted to read it before I watched the movie. Mm, yeah. yeah. Movie? Bad. oh no in my opinion okay i'm not gonna drag it through the mud that's what i'm gonna say i'm happy that i read the book beforehand mm-hmm. um but both the book and the movie obviously like there's exorcisms happening there's talks about that and it didn't bother me but it, there was these ones where i was like yeah this isn't i can't even sit here and be like i wish they didn't talk about god so much because it's just like well if they're having an exorcism like they're gonna talk about god and then even think about like you know vampire movies and like the symbolism of like being Mm. scared of the cross and like holy water and shit like that where i think so it's there it's there in horror a lot and very much and i think that like both of us as horror fans like can accept it as long i think you know i speak for both of us to a certain degree where it's like if you don't beat me over the head with it like if you're not like and this movie is about how god is the best and you should all be christian or catholics or you should go to church on sunday Mm -hmm. and it's like now why are we doing all that um i have no issue with it just as i wouldn't have an issue with any other religion being present or part of the storyline of any other fucking horror movie or any other movie regardless but i think something with this where it is just kind of like to a degree it's a zombie movie i guess in some people's eyes i wouldn't say so um but it's a demon movie 
And we've seen our handful of demon movies, especially demon movies that are like this. Like, this isn't, like, demonic possession in the sense of, like, Reagan and the Exorcist or, like, The Last Exorcism or whatever, where it's, like, kind of, like, one big demon possessing one girl. So, like, you have to have an exorcist or whatever. This is more so, like, demon jamboree type <laughs> yeah. where it's kind of, like, Night of the Demons or something like that, where, like, everyone's a demon everything's fucking crazy fucking green goosebumps bloods coming out of everybody's orifices where i'm just like you could have gotten away with god never being mentioned like i guess like you could have changed the story like it could have still been a demon night but like he wasn't chosen by god i don't know maybe there's this like subset of society or this outer group who like i don't know are just selected by like the universe or a greater force or whatever like it didn't have to specifically be like god's in my ear telling me that i must take the blood of his his only son and stop these demons so i think yeah in general it feels like a story where it's like we probably didn't have to go that route. It's a crazy demon movie. You could have you, you could make up you're making up rules the whole fucking time. Like you could do anything and then on top of that when you could have just even just been like okay whatever yeah the kind of repetitive flashbacks of like remember jesus is on the cross and i was like yes i remember <laughs> can we move on <laughs> i will never forget that jesus was on the cross i know the story thank you um but yeah i think it's also really interesting because like they say in the film that there are seven amulets and they are all throughout the universe and this last one that they need is the one that's on earth and so I wonder if, like, God is involved in all of the universes or just this specific one. Because they say at one point that, like, Jesus brought his son – God brought his son Jesus to the earth as, like, the first demon knight yeah. to defend the earth. And, like, that's why we, like, take his blood. So it very much made it seem like that is the ex- reason for Jesus' existence. And I find that really interesting because, like, obviously that's not historical. And it does explain, you know, obviously, like, if – you're somebody at all that like ever went to church or was you know family was catholic christian whatever you you even if you're not like you know the fucking jesus story for the most part or whatever where like you drink the blood of christ every sunday at mass so like the blood of christ is very important and it does make sense yeah that like he sends his son down first demon night he dies and thus his blood has to be the blood that fills the amulet which is why in the end of this one when breaker dies or whatever it's his blood or at least some of it is his blood that is in the amulet now and in theory when jada pinkett fucking dies 300 years from now it'll be her blood in the amulet so i guess the question is then like when does god decide i guess when they're demon knights like how predestined is it because like yeah but like i always wondered can jada just like fill the amulet with her own blood now i feel like no she can't because i as i was thinking that too i was like oh well like i guess you don't want to have to fill it up with your blood i mean you know cut yourself open and bleed into it but i was like you know obviously when um fucking billy zane shows up with the police and they're like taking the amulet and he's like oh like why don't you spill that blood first dump all that shit in there that he put in there out and give it to me and then she's like you can't do that so of course and early on in the movie you're like so if that blood's gone there's no more but then you hear the whole thing where it's like oh well, maybe like a tiny minuscule amount of it is still the blood of christ but like it's usually like the other demon knights from before like most of it now is like he as he was saying breaker is like from his like sergeant or whoever the fuck on the battlefield who was a demon knight who gave it to him um so it feels like no because of the fact that like if you can just fill it with your own like sure you don't want to keep smelling it you want to have to keep fucking open up a vein and bleed into it but like 
you can if you need to. Um, but I think it, it can't. I think it can, like, oh, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't really know. It can only be the blood of, like, the most recently deceased demon knight. That would stress me the fuck out more than anything of, like, I don't want to use a drop of this blood because I'm going to fucking run out of it. Oh, my God. I just think about, like, as both of us being bakers. Like, sometimes, like, mm-hmm. when you have to, like, eye something in and you're like, this could be one drop or the flood could come. And it could be like, oh, fuck, I put too much in. Like, I, yeah. sometimes I tremble when I'm trying to put, like, a splash of vanilla in something. So then, like, give me the fucking amulet with Christ's blood and be like, just a drop. Um, bitch, I have tremors going through my body during that point. And it always kills me. I get what she does it. And obviously, story-wise, it's like, good thing she did because that demon was going to get on the bus with her. But, like, when Jade is, like, getting on the bus at the end, and she's like, hold on one second. And she turns around and she drops some demon blood, like, around to make the border across the, like, bus door. I was like, girl, you just got this amulet. Why are we throwing around the blood so quickly? I mean, it prevents anyone from getting on the bus. But, like, what if he's already on the bus? Now you're just, like trapped on there when did she refill it actually that's another question oh well yeah they show it very briefly like after everyone is like dead she goes over to breaker's body who is like he's dead but his body is still pouring blood and she like puts it underneath one of his wounds and just refills it with his blood when the fuck does the house explode oh yeah when she's like fucking in the house it's after it's before that i don't know okay yes i was misremembering that because i was like wait a minute she, like, is fully in the house when it explodes, and, you know, she's yeah. fine. Probably God's God fine. is... <laughs> God is just like Grandpa from Troll 2. Oh, my God. He, there are no laws. He can do whatever you need him to do in the moment. <laughs> Which, honestly, Loki is what they teach you. God is... Can do it all. Yeah, he can make a double-decker baloney sandwich. You know, if sandwich. you told me the face of God was Grandpa from Troll 2, I might start going to church on Sunday. <laughs> Save me a seat. If God is, in fact, a white man, it's only grandpa from troll 2 oh absolutely but i actually think it's probably jada pinkett smith yeah. is god jada pinkett smith covered yeah. in blood at the end of this movie mm. god is a woman delicious she looks so good in that i mean let's talk about jada because obviously she's a huge part of the movie and yes the thing the thing about me is like once again when i rewatch this i'm like jada's great she's getting what she needs to give but like she truly goes oh in that, like, last 20 minutes. Because, obviously, once again, like, you're putting her in the position to be, like, last one alive. So she is now full final girl status. And she is now put in the position to be, like, you're the demon knight. So now it's on you to kick ass. The image of her, and it's after they're in the attic. So I think it's after Billy Zane, like, grabs her arm. And he's like, take my hand. You're Just come with me. And she burns him because it's uh, Breaker's blood or whatever. Mm-hmm. excuse me then he like i don't know goes somewhere and she like drops down from the attic and it's just her in like big like cute white socks like high-waisted high-cut like white underwear white panties and then like a cropped what was once white but is obviously it's all doused in blood like crop top and she's obviously got her like cute very 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 like short tight blonde curls i was like this is, like, oh my god. This is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my whole life. Like, blood very much included. And I think it is just obviously, like, as it is with most horror movies um, and Final Girls, where it's like, you get the shot of the girl that's been through hell and the girl that's, like, covered in blood from head to toe, I think is in itself, like, 
interwoven with feminism and it is a feminist imagery obviously you know to bleed is to be a woman in many ways or to be in touch I guess with femininity because not everybody that gets a period is a woman um but yeah there's just something so badass and feminist about it it's giving fucking Ripley a little bit absolutely yeah um yeah yeah, I mean, she is just the fucking moment. I couldn't imagine anybody else in this role. Yeah. Sorry, Cameron. She's just so iconic. She just kind of, like, exudes strength and power. Like, she's just such a, like, a nuanced character where, like, I feel for her because she is trapped in this life, in this situation, but she's, like, such an inner strength that comes out. And also just in general, like, we, it's so rare for us to get a final girl who is a person of color. So it's amazing to have her be the lead role in this. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, Cameron Diaz would have been fine, but it would have just been yet another like fucking like blonde girl. So it's great to have You know, you know the stereotypical and no tea to Miss Cameron. Cameron, I wonder what the fuck I called her. No, you know, nothing against Miss Cameron Diaz, but like, yeah, your stereotypical like white, skinny, blonde, blue eyes. Like, because we don't have enough of those in film. Like, yeah, give Jada her shine. Um, well, it's interesting because, yeah, even her story, like, is is very good and very feminist in the sense of, like, yeah, she's this character that, like, fresh out of jail, stuck in this place we already talked about, like, has to, like, work to, like, be able to live here. Like, she's miserable. And all she wants is to, like, be free from this, to travel, blah, blah. And then in comes Billy Jane with a buzz cut, which for me, I'm not that strong. I would fold. <laughs> I would fold first request. Oh, oh we are going to get it. into that, girl. Let me tell you we are. Oh, yeah. um, but he essentially, in a scene that I'm sure we'll also talk about, like, essentially, overall, he's like, I will give you everything you want. I will give you this freedom. You can go to Paris. You can go to wherever. Like, you can travel. You can have the life you always wanted. And all you have to do is essentially, like, damn humanity. Because you need to give me the amulet. That's all. But you'll be safe. I'll promise you'll be safe. Which, because I'm not going to, like, say there's anything wrong in more in a real life sense of, like, women who are like, I just want this kind of life. And then a man maybe with money or opportunity comes in and they're like, I'll give it to you. And if she's like, great, and I have to work a day in my life. I'm not criminalizing that. I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with that. Girl, you won. If you're happy and you're safe, literally, I'm jealous. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. So it wasn't, I'm not saying like, and Jada chose not to do it because she's a real woman. Like, no, not at all. It's more so specifically like she could have had her easy way handed to her by a demon that is being played by a man um, if she did the wrong thing or like did something that like was harmful to other people. And it would literally be so easy because as we learn later on, Billy Zane's in love with her. Like he meant it. He's like, I'm fucking all these other people. Like I'm lying to them. I want you to be the first demon knight that I bring over to the other side, and you can be my 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 woman, my wife, girl. Please, I'm a pick me girl now. Um, but she doesn't do that. And as we said, like she fights and makes her own way to get what she wants, becoming a demon knight. You know, in the classic final girl way, fights tooth and nail. She has icon like one of the best moments of the whole fucking movie is when he like brings her to the bathtub to be like, "We're gonna wash this blood off of you, bitch," because like you're not gonna keep this from me. Then he dumps most of the blood from the amulet out while she's struggling. She manages to grab it when he's not looking and like take a fucking shot of it. And then she just keeps her mouth tight the whole time. And there's a whole fucking like 
sequence where then he's like dancing with her and like spinning her or whatever and this is where he's telling her like I'm gonna take you to the other side with me and like I uh, he can't say love so it's like I uh, you do you think you could uh, me um and yeah that seems so tense because she's like breathing yes. through her nose and, and, she not just, to spit and, it, it out. and it works so well in the scene too because she looks or the that energy feels mm-hmm. like very much like very final girl-esque in the sense of like i am a fucking cornered animal and i'm about to go feral like do not step any closer and i eat it up every time they give it to me every time i'm like yes um but then of course he's so pissed off he's like oh now you don't want to fucking talk when i want you to give me an answer like you better fucking answer me and she just like spits the fucking demon night blood all in his face and like he just like erupts becomes this like huge he he fucking dies because of this like she fucking ends him in one blow and it's it's gorgeous yeah i mean yet again billy zane getting fucking decimated by someone spitting in his face um that scene is just so stressful because the whole time i'm like oh my god there's so many moments where she's like up close to him are you gonna do it now you're gonna do it now like don't fucking swallow that blood please like this is your last chance it's so stressful i know and you're so worried i'm like oh my god is she gonna swallow it she's gonna spit it at the wrong time and miss the target like yeah yeah no that scene is so good i love that um it's the perfect way to kill billy zane i really think um and she's just overall i mean i could talk about jada pinkett smith for like fucking ever she's just an icon she's so good in this role um but there's definitely a lot of like prosthetic stuff and fun campy shit i want to get into and i think the best place for that would be in our cue and slay okay so oh my god there's so much to talk about anya what would you say is your favorite line from this film i mean i have i have two i don't know any you have okay i have three um we could go back and yeah we can go back and forth. i will start off with a line um very early on pretty early on in the movie it is said by um cch pounder um is that fair yes um mm-hmm. who is also um horror legend um from orphan yes the nun from orphan um anyways had to bring that up but um the line is because um cordelia the sex worker who lives at the hotel is like on the table trying to get breaker to like she's like i could be here to serve like she wants him to partake and there's also um jada pinkett's cat at the same time like has jumped up on the table um so cch pounder walks by and sees the cat so then she like stops and she's like god damn it get that pussy off the table <laughs> and then cordelia like immediately scrambles off the table and then cch pounder is like i meant the cat but like she's like smiling and she walks away <laughs> and it's so funny because i do remember the first time i saw that and she she says get that pussy off the table because usually you're not really calling a cat a pussy but like that is obviously the joke i was like oh what did you just say and it's funny to me every time so that's definitely my favorite of the movie yeah that was one of my three lines i think that's so fucking funny uh yeah it's just like little moments i think in the first 30 minutes not that it's like a subtle joke but it is more of like a like a a more yeah. understated joke than the, like the campiness that we get later on. Um, my favorite line mm-hmm. is uh, a little bit before that. It's when Jada Pinkett Smith's character Jerry Lynn is doing like the laundry for everybody, and Cordelia asks her, "Like, are my sheets ready? Where are they?" And Jerry Lynn says, "They're downstairs." And I couldn't get all those stains out either. 
and as a reminder, as you said, Cordelia is a sex worker. So the implication there is, you know, um, and she just says under her breath, oh, damn guacamole. And that shit like fucking cracked me up because the joke is already kind of like written in there of like, you're a sex worker and your sheet, like your sheets are stained. But then they flipped it on their head and they're like, guacamole. <laughs> I just love the image of her just like eating a Chipotle burrito in bed and like, damn, I can't get that fucking stain out. It really cracked me up. It works in so many ways because even if they were like, oh, well, the joke is like, it's definitely semen, but like, she doesn't want to say that. She could have been like, oh, damn. And then like insert something else. It might be a similar texture or consistency or color. And they go with guacamole, which obviously is not. But what also works funny about that line is that um, later when she's Roach, who I guess is like her most her best customer or like you know the customer that comes in the most he's a piece of shit but he comes in and they have their little rendezvous upstairs and then the police show up with Billy Zane they're going through the rooms one of the police officers like hears them doing something in that room and kicks open the door and they're like uh it's sex in its own way but like if they're not like doing your classic like penetrative you know he's taking her from behind sex like she's on top of him and she's got like what looks like like cables to start your car a little bit but like mini clamped on his nipples and she's sending like electric shocks through him so the guacamole thing if you really think about it comes back where it's like for all we know the guacamole could be involved in some sex thing if she's if she's just doing whatever anyone's into but we'll never know <laughs> i guess yeah I mean, you're right you never know what that could have been it could have been a chipotle burrito it could have been yeah, a sex all over the sheets um yeah my other one is um a Billy Zane line just because honestly because of the delivery um and it's right after they find out he's a demon and um Breaker like makes him touch the cross or whatever and he like jumps out of the window and then they all run to the window and he's outside and he's he, and he's like talking about like oh I fucking hate you humans blah blah and then he says like something like I'm done with being a cowboy or whatever and he's like you fucking ho-dunk po-dunk well them there motherfuckers and it's just <laughs> like he's like going off and it's I literally had to stop the movie, go back, put on subtitles so I could get every word. Um, Yeah, loved it. I love everything about him in this. Yeah, and I love that moment because that's like the first time that he drops that veneer and is like so campy. Because up until that point, he's just like like trying to play it straight. Now he's so fed up. So fed up. Um, Yeah, that's really when he like gets hammy as fuck because he is so over these fucking humans. He looks down on them. And he's like... Fuck it, I'm gonna be my zany ass self, my Billy Zany self. Yeah, Billy Zaniness of it all. Um, but yeah, that moment is so fucking funny. He is just like I, I don't, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing that role as well as he plays it. Um, my other favorite line is it's not so much um like a, a back and forth as it is a callback line. Um, so early on after they've revealed everything that's going on everyone is stressing out and i don't exactly remember the context of it but cordelia refers to wally who is the postal worker who's like clearly in love with her as her friend and roach who's a fucking piece of shit says whores don't have friends which obviously very deeply upsets her and i it just further makes you hate roach's character but then maybe a few minutes later he has pulled Wally aside and he's trying to like convince Wally to help him just give the demons the amulet so they can yeah. all leave because he's a piece of shit. Um, and Cordelia being protective of Wally goes up to them to try to like help and she's like what are you doing with him? Like what do you want? And Roach is like I'm just talking to my friend. And without missing a fucking beat Cordelia's like assholes don't have friends. And it just made the fucking like upsetting burn 
it just made it so good i was like yes bitch fucking tell him read him fuck him um what is your favorite kill or practical effect from the movie okay i have a couple again um but i would say that not that I think it's like the greatest of effects that they have, but I think it's the most impactful because it's the very first one of the movie, which is that the moment when the police are arresting Breaker after they have, you know, finally found him and they decide, oh, we're also going to arrest Billy Zane's character because surprise, surprise, both cars that were in that accident were stolen. So we're going to arrest both of you and bring you down to the station until we can figure out what's going on. Well, at this point, Billy Zane is like, I don't have fucking time for this. I'm not going to keep up this charade. So he just turns towards the sheriff and punches him in the face. But instead of just getting punched, Billy Zane's hand goes straight through his fucking skull. And he just like blasts a hole through this man's head. And it happens so fast and it's so unexpected. And then not only does that happen, but then he can't get his fucking arm out of the head hole. So he's like throwing his arm around i think he like decapitates it at one point and then he just like has the arm like swinging around on his head or on his arm the head on his arm and it really fucking cracked me up and i think it sets the tone for like the chaos that's going to ensue so of all of them that's my favorite i think that's the most impactful one i love a punch through the fucking back of the head like uh, you know a great another great one which is a movie that we will definitely talk about give a lot of love to at some point on here um dead alive um yeah yeah I, I should make a fucking list of, like, greatest head punched <laughs> through the back of the skull movies. Like, yeah, when the fist goes all the way through and then you have to pull it all the way out or get it stuck in there, always an A-plus from me. Yeah, it's so effective. Um, I guess mine was um, for – instead of kill, so it's a practical effect, is after Billy Zane has thrown the glue, st- the glue stick – Jesus – the glow stick all over the ground and then is the rising up of the demon – lessers um from these piles of green goo which in itself like them rising up is really cool but like also it's like the first time you get to see what these demons look like and they're so Mm -hmm. fun and they start out like kind of small and then like immediately grow into like full-size adult demons but when it's like one of the baby ones is still like kind of coming up out of this like goo portal like billy zane like leans over and like Gives it a little kiss on the head. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute. Um, but I, the, something I love about these demons specifically is, like, possibly all of them, but at least some of them are, I think what we're supposed to be led to believe, are, like, females or feminine or whatever demons. They have, like, hoop earrings they're wearing for some reason. A Claire's moment. Which I okay. love. There's no, You could tell me whatever reason and I'll eat it up. But, like, I, every time I'm like, Okay, accessories. Um, I <laughs> I didn't notice that. Oh, I girl, noticed. it's right there. Like, I, I was, like, looking. I was, like, am I imagining these hoop earrings? Like, am I catching something else? Full-on earrings. I was, like, I, yeah, number one. Love that. <laughs> I do love when the, the little creatures start to come out of the earth. So fucking cute. Uh, um, I guess one other one, or one, two other ones I'll very briefly mention that I really loved. I already kind of talked about it at the beginning, but the practical effects of the corpse that has been put in acid and the like fake film that the crypt keeper is directing i think that's so much fun because there's like a moment where he's walking up the stairs and his like he puts his hand on the banister and like his thumb and forefinger fucking fall off and then he's like walking into the bedroom and he like falls against the wall and when he leaves it it like rips off part of his like fucking gooey flesh and it sticks to the wall i just think it is very very effective and well done 
And then I would say the only other one I really want to bring up is um, Demon Danny, because the little boy that is briefly in the movie, Danny, um, he unfortunately gets taken over by a demon. Uh, and when, as he transforms, I don't really know <laughs> what it was, but like his head just keeps getting bigger and bigger until it's like this humongous fucking demon head with this big mouth and this tongue that is like going into Breaker's fucking wound. Yes. And then I think his head explodes. It's pretty cool. Uh, the other one that I wrote down was um, when they rip off uh, CCH Pounder's arm. It's it's mm. very simple in the grand scheme of things, this movie, and it's very quick. But it is just kind of like, and now she has no arm, and she's a yeah, she yeah, she's there for the rest of the movie pretty much until she goes out to reference Alien again, but rather Aliens. She goes out very much like um, Vasquez and Aliens with like what's his name? Well, I think it's one of the cop or whatever. Um, and she's like got a strap of grenades to her, and she's gonna pull one. She's like, "What's fucking like sacrificing herself in a very Vasquez way?" As they all crowd toward her, um, which is awesome. But yeah, I liked the ripping of the arm. I was just like, "And now the arm's off. Now there's just an arm." Yeah, yeah. She just gets drunk. I like that because he like grabs her wrist and then just like breaks her wrist and then is like, mm, and then just rips the whole thing off to take the amulet. Uh, actually, while I'm at it, I'm gonna take the whole fucking arm. Yeah, yeah. That moment is so good. Um. Okay, well, moving on to our next question. Um, shocker, I'm sure. Who is your partner in crime, Anya? Oh, the thing is, you think you know, but you don't. And I feel like you're going to be angry about my answer. You're going to think it's so stupid. Did you think I was going to say Billy Zane? Of course I thought you were well, going like, to say Billy yes, Zane. Yes, obviously, but like... Yeah, duh. Uh, and honestly, I might have gone that route. Mm-hmm. It, it's not even anything that you're thinking of. Like, you literally... Is it the little baby no. demon? It happens quite literally, like, I'm trying to think of the exact moment it happens. It, whatever. It's at the end of the movie. We're going back to see the Crypt Keeper. There was something where, like, someone threw, like, flowers or something on the ground. I don't remember exactly what it was. And, like, his hand comes out of the grave, the Crypt and he pulls a rose down. On the journey down through the dirt tunnel, there is a puppet mouse like a big old fat <laughs> mouse, maybe a rat, that's like, like in the tunnel, just like hanging out on the side. And only someone with my type of brain, like anybody else watching, would say nothing. I see this every time. And when he goes past the mouse, if I'm watching it, I have to grab somebody. Did you see that? Did you see the mouse? Um, and up to that point, I was like, I don't even know I'm going to pick for my partner. And immediately I was like, done. The mouse. He's not even in the, the main story. He's just like, literally in the dirt hanging out and i just want to dig him up and hold him in my hands and love him forever that's not surprising at so all. that's my partner in crime for demon knight is um the puppet mouse in the dirt well i didn't even notice him i'm gonna have to go back and look for him and the hoops I, honestly i should go back and just take a picture of it so i have him forever i mean i'm surprised that you didn't do it's that like, from the jump that movie underwater with kirsten stewart where yeah. i just took pictures of my tv when the fucking stuffed rabbit was on the screen only thing i cared about yeah i literally knew about that rabbit for like a year before i even saw the fucking movie because of that oh yeah i was like wait you didn't tell me about it and i was like i definitely told you no you just like really deeply prepped me for it um okay so i would say oh, i was going back and forth between two people and it was hard to pick originally i was like jada obviously because yes. She's, like, strong fucking badass woman. She loves her cat. I love everything about her relationship with her cat, how desperate mm. she is to, like, bring him back inside and love him and, like, take care of him. 
But I think I'm going to go with Cordelia because I think in general, she's just like a very kind hearted, sweet person who like just wants love. And I feel like maybe if she had like a really strong friendship and somebody who loved her and gave her what she needs, maybe even more than friendship, who knows, then maybe she wouldn't have become a demon. I could have saved her. I could change her and I could make her, uh, I don't know. I just feel like if we were friends, maybe she wouldn't have felt the need to go with Billy Zane. So I think she's wonderful. I love her character. I don't think that she's in enough of the film. So she would be my partner in crime. No, but Jada would be my second choice. Nice. Um, okay, and now we're on to the OGs, which I cannot even wait for what the fuck your OG is, because I'm like, is it going to be the same as mine or close? Mm. Um, but um, neither of us surprisingly picked Billy Zane for our partner in crime. But it doesn't matter because I'm about to talk to him for, about him in a way for a minute here with the OG. So obviously Billy Zane giving cunt the whole movie he looks so fucking good with that buzz hair the, everything about it i would fold i already told you i know that you probably feel exactly the same if not similar or close to like yeah so probably there's two sequences in the movie you can combine them in your head if you want to for this question in which he's with jada pinkett smith he's trying to incent in a sense woo her first time it's kind of like mm, you don't know if you can trust him second time he's still a bad guy but like he's being overtly like no i love you and i want to take you to the underworld with me like say yes give in which i would be like sure don't fucking ask me again i said yes so this is not like a recast but like i want you to tell me top three people that if they were demons like billy zane where they would appear in this human form as whoever they are um they're evil they want the same things but they're like but i want you to so i would spare you you would be on my side you'd be my little demon bride but you know every other bad thing is gonna fucking happen um who are the top three that like let's be honest you're folding for fuck that's such a hard question i have so many i think there aren't gonna be surprising answers at least from me it's just so tough because (laughs) i think that like so many people who i've had obsessions with are now kind yeah. of have come out of the woodwork of like maybe they're not the greatest people but i guess that fits in because like he's a demon yeah. they're evil anyway um oh my yes. god it's so fucking hard um okay well nobody come for me i'm just gonna it's gonna be what it's gonna be um i would say i mean you could go solely based on like isn't real life i wouldn't want to hang out with this person or talk to this person and i think they're bad but like if it's just sexual appeal yeah i mean oh okay I know what I'm going to pick. It's, it's just tough to narrow it down. Um, all right. Top three, girl. Here we go. I'm going to go number one, Michael Fassbender. I don't give a shit. I think I he's the most gorgeous fucking man in the universe. Mm. Okay. He got a big ass fucking shark smile. Mm. He got a big lot of things, but he got that big old shark smile that really just draws me in. Yeah, um, I would say second pick um, is a new obsession. Uh, he also has an accent, and he's also very my type, so I'm going to go with Paul Meskel. Nice! Yeah, I love him on Normal People. Um, he was pretty good in The Lost Daughter as well. I just think he's so fucking hot. I think he's going to be in an Oscar contender this year. I mean, I'm not surprised. He's very much like an up-and-coming new actor. Um, for my third one, you know what? I'm going to fucking shift it up a little bit. And I'm going to go with my fucking queen, Rachel McAdams. So if Rachel McAdams was getting all sexy Alexi up on you. Oh, yeah. Anytime. I love I think that. she's gorgeous. She's just like one of the most beautiful women I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm 
obsessed with her and I always have been. So those are my three. I love it. It's hard. Answers. Yeah. Wow. And I hope that Rachel McAdams shows up in your room tonight. Oh my god, I hope so too. Greg, get out! <laughs> get the fuck out of here, you're not welcome. Uh, <laughs> mine are going to be a surprise to quite literally no one that's ever even had a minute-long conversation with me ever. I I want you to actually answer, and I want to see if you're right. Do, say what three you think they are. Oh my god. I mean, there's so many fucking people that you've been obsessed with, so it's hard. Um, okay, well obviously, Pedro Pascal is going to be the first one. Yes. Are you doing, like, Burt Reynolds? No, I'm not doing dead people. Okay, then, um, fuck. There's so many options. Um, I'm gonna say, are you still interested in Oliver Jackson Cohen? He's on that list, girl. Ooh, okay. I got two of them. Pedro and Oliver. Um, fuck. It's so hard. Because there's so many that you, like, don't love anymore as much. I don't think you'll be surprised with my answer, but I don't think it's gonna be what you guess. Okay, then I'm just going to be prepared to be wrong, and I'm going to go with um, Dan Stevens. Not Dan Stevens. I've moved on from Dan Stevens. Fuck, you moved on? He's in love, Dan. You moved on from Dan Stevens. You moved on from Zachary Levi. I have moved on from Zachary Levi, yeah. But, okay, who is it? <laughs> Let's just out everyone I've ever had a crush on. <laughs> um, embarrassing. Anyways, um, who, why am I embarrassed? I embarrass myself on a daily. It's Timothy Oliphant. Oh, my God. That's such a good fucking choice. Matt, I didn't pick him. Like, imagine Tim Ugh. Tim's up in your motherfucking space. Um, bitch, I'll kill for you. Who? who when? Where? Oh, my God. I so, love him. So, um, I'm glad that we got to have our little girly girl moment with that. Yeah, I mean, I think Timothy Oliphant is such a fucking prime choice. What a delicious moment for you. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so for my question... Okay. Well, Greg actually gave me a backup option of like, which brings me to a, a moment I would like to discuss uh, quickly with a sponge where he's like, what fucking item would you want Billy Zane to like throw oh, out his yes. mouth? Oh, yes. I was like, I thought you were going to be like, do, do you want Billy Zane to shove up your ass? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I will say though, that scene, there's a moment where like he's trying to get Roach to wipe away the, the blood and he... It's just like as a close up of his face and he opens his mouth and this fucking like yellow sponge somersaults directly out and it fucking cracks yes. me up so fucking hard. And fun fact for you, I don't think this is going to surprise you. Um, I don't think this is going to surprise anybody at this point, but that idea was Billy Zane's. He was like, why doesn't the sponge just come out of my fucking mouth? It'll be really funny. I believe it. He's a genius. He's smart enough to know this is the best work he's ever done, so... Yeah, I think it's just, like, the best moment of comedic physical comedy in this film. It's the only thing I remembered from my first viewing. I love that. It's so good. Um, but now, my question is, so there are, as we said, a few scenes where Billy Zane kind of brings everybody into these, like, dreamlike sequences where he tempts them with whatever they want in life. You know, the old guy, it's women and alcohol. Cordelia, it's love. Jada, it's freedom. What do you think that Billy Zane could tempt you with that would potentially get you to turn on humanity. And do you think that there's a scenario where he offers you something that you would fucking take? It has to be my greatest desire in the world? No, I mean, it could be. It's just something that, like, would make you maybe falter. Like, maybe it's literally just Billy Zane offering himself up to you. <laughs> literally, I just walk into a room. It's just him standing there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, this is it. I'm like, great work. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? Um... I made a joke with Greg that it would just be a room full of fucking squirrels. Oh, would they all be my friends? Of course, they would be your friends. They oh, talk to you. Fuck. That would be really hard. <laughs> I would think about it. Of course, you would. 
I would think about damning all of humanity just to be in a room full of squirrels. And you know that the wish would go wrong, so they would, like, turn on me and rip my fucking throat out. But for a few seconds there... You'd still eat it up. <laughs> I forgive you! <laughs> um, that's really funny. Um, fuck. Um, it's hard. I guess... Uh, okay, the two, I have two. There are two big temptations that I might crumble for. Is if he offered me, like, opened a door, and it was like, here's your own, like, creepy, spooky, but, like, in a harmless, like, you'll be fine way, like, haunted mansion, like, beautiful, like, house. And it was filled with, like, little puppet monsters slash, like, all of my stuffed animals but like sentient and we just like lived there and I never had to fucking work and we just like hang out and like go on little kooky adventures and he's like that's what I have to do for the end of time and I'd be like bye here's the amulet <laughs> um literally fuck you guys I'm going someplace else um the other thing would be if he was like I will transport you I feel like I've definitely brought this up in some capacity in the podcast before so like sorry I'm being annoying and talking about it again but if he was like Anya give me the amulet and I will transport you to the Star Wars universe and oh you God. get you for the rest of your days hang out be the Mandalorian's partner in life raise a little baby Yoda together goodbye Psst, vapor I'm gone you, like fucking smoke behind me i'm running so fast um thank you that's what so and i think i'm not alone at least on that second one i know a lot of bitches online that would do worse for less in that in that category that so fucking checks out both of those i mean i think you living in a haunted mansion is like so very your aesthetic but yeah living with baby yoda is truly i think your dream um mine is tough because yeah. like Originally, my brain went work-wise because I don't want to do my job forever and I want to, like, start my own business and do whatever. But then I was like, but if the world ends, no one's going to come to my fucking bakery anyway, so why does it matter? Yeah. Um, so instead, I went kind of similarly to you with, like, talking animals. Um, I just think if he could offer me either the ability to speak telekinetically to my animals, my cats and my dog... I don't think I could fucking pass that up because I want to know everything that they're thinking. Uh. Um, or if he could give me like some kind of combination of like either my cats specifically uh, will never die until I die. And so therefore I get to live my entire life with them and I will never have to go through the, the loss of them. That would be really tempting. Or if like that wasn't an option, like maybe when they did pass immediately, like I would get a clone of them as a kitten again and then I would get to live their whole life with them again um just any way that I could just be with specifically Craven but also Kruger and you know That's my cool. dog Cooper um but yeah I just want to be with them forever so that would probably be the most tempting thing for me they'll probably eat your body when you die oh my god I would allow that as long as it can sustain yeah. them you and can give take them care of them even in death always I love them so much um yeah all right um wow we we did it. Uh, that was Demon Knight. Tales from the Crypt colon Demon Knight uh, 1995. So, as per usual, to end the episode, we have to say, what our total grand rating of 
the one and only Demon Knight is. Um, Alex, because your selection, why don't you go first? Yeah, I mean, I have a really fun time with this movie. I think it is the perfect combination of horror and comedy. I think it's incredibly campy. The practical effects are amazing. Um, so I really, really enjoy this movie. I think it's something I could watch over and over again. I'm going to give it a solid four stars, a Billy Zane next door, if you will. Nice. The Billy Zane next door rating. <laughs> um, <laughs> we just changed the name forever. We have like a guest on. We're like, I give this one a Billy Zane next door. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, people don't know what we're talking about anyway, so why not? I know. Um, nobody listens. Um, I'm giving this dumb jock. Um, okay. Solid. I mean, three stars for the three times I've seen it. Um, I think it's fun. I think, yeah, it's definitely a movie that, like, you should seek out. It is fun. I think especially for people, as we've said before, that I know listen to the podcast or are fans that maybe, like, are too scared for some of the horror movies. I think this is a nice, a nice one because it's, it's not as reserved as something like Dolls which I think is very easy to be a starter B-horror to get into. Um, but it's not as extreme and scary as some of the others. It's a good balance of, yeah, like being silly, being campy, um, but you still get your money's worth in the sense of like you will get like fun kills, lots of green blood, um, lots of fun like practical effects and like crazy looking demons. Um, and as long as you don't watch it in the middle of the night by yourself with the lights out, I think you'll survive and you'll have a good time. So, yeah, I would say solid dumb jock. Three yeah, I mean, it's just, like, a really easy fun time, I think. Yes, it's very fun. Yeah, and it's, like, I think something good to watch, like, in a group of people. If you're doing any Halloween hangs mm-hmm. um, in the next, you know, two weeks to Halloween or whatever. Um, well, no, but we're recording already. Now, um, oh, fuck! Yeah, no, it's November. Yeah, that's what happens when you record before you put your episodes out. Um I mean, but it's fine because it's truly always October and the spooky season in my heart. You know, yeah, actually, if you're like, oh my god, me and my friends are so sad that like spooky yeah. season's over and like we didn't, maybe you didn't get to want do what you wanted to do and didn't get to have a watch party you wanted to have. There's still time. It's still fall. It's not Christmas yet, despite what what CVS you know, says. Big business would like to tell. Would you, yeah, despite what motherfucking CVS and Target would have you believe. Um, have yeah. a little spooky movie moment. Invite your friends over. Find out who the fuck has Peacock Premium without ads and go to theirs. Yeah, maybe make it a double feature with Bordello of Blood. I mean, I haven't seen it, so can't recommend, but why not? I can say I didn't think it was great, but you know what? Maybe it's for somebody else. Maybe. Maybe somebody else will love it. Um, But yeah, so once again, that is Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight 1995. Um, We will be back um, next month for our um, December, which is usually a holiday horror um can't wait to see what we pick me too girl um so as always be prepared for that and then as you know at the end of december we have at the very least if you know maybe other minisodes pop up but the very least we have our new year special in which we each give our top five horror movies so total top 10 girls who cried before selections of horror for the year and a bunch of other fun stuff so stay tuned um thank you always for being a listener um and of course Keep it creepy. Bye, kitties. Bye.